Okay, we've been talking about the book of James once a month. James is one of the few books of the New Testament that wasn't written by the Apostle Paul. It was actually written by James, the brother of our Lord, Jesus. And it's a short book, but it's full of a lot of truth and a lot of meat. He starts off by saying, count it all joy when you experience various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith produces steadfastness. And when steadfastness has its full effect, that you may be complete, entire, lacking in nothing. So why does God allow us to be tested? Is it so he can find out where we are, what our weaknesses are? No, he knows where we are and he knows what our weaknesses are. He tests us so we can discover where our weaknesses are. And the tests come like this. He allows something that you and I look to for life, look to for security, look to for encouragement. He lets that thing break. And when that thing breaks, we become very anxious and we become very fearful and we become very, very vulnerable. And we can become very upset and we can become very scared and our eyes go blind and our ears go deaf and our mind goes crazy. And we say, There's, is there a God here? What's going on? And the fact is, in this world, everything moves, everything breaks. Nobody gets out of here alive. It all comes down. But what he wants for us is to get our hearts, our security, all placed in him. And then when the things around us move and shake and break, we don't move and shake and break with them because we are standing upon a rock. We are resting, we are abiding in a rock. And actually then when those things happen, it becomes a source of joy because we remember that there was a time when we would have been shaken by that event happening or that event not happening. So we closed last time with verse 20 of chapter one. And James tells us, he encourages us to put away all filthiness and rapid growth of wickedness and receive with meekness, receive with meekness, the implanted word that is able to save our souls. And this idea of the word of God being like a seed planted inside us. Initially, it brings us to salvation when God gives us the grace to have faith in the gospel. But then the rest of our life is as we take in the word of God, it saves, it, it helps our soul apprehend all that for which God and Christ saved us for. That we can basically have the same experience in this world today as Jesus had 2,000 years ago as he lived abiding in his Father. This word implanted in us. James was talking about fruit and yielding. This word brings forth fruit. It brings forth life. So the next verse, and we're going to start today in verse 21, is he says, do not, he's talking about the word again, do not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Because he who hears the word and does not do it deceives him or herself. If you hear the word and don't do it, we deceive ourselves. 
Now, this is the second time the word deception has been used in chapter 1 of James, and it'll be used actually three times. And deception means, or deceived means, that basically we have believed something to be true that is not true, and we have acted upon it. To be deceived is to believe something that is not true to be true, and then to act upon it. It started in the garden. Eve was deceived. James 16, verse verse 16 of chapter 1, he says, Do not be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. What's the deception? Man thinks that good gifts, sources of life, come from this earth, and he tends to want to secure himself, abide in things of this world. Where James tells us that, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. And now he's saying, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by thinking that you can hear the word of God and not do anything about it. He goes on to say, because he who hears the word and doesn't do it is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and then he walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But then he goes on to say, but he who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, law of liberty, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, this man is blessed in his deed. Now, how many of you have children? A lot of you have children. Do you ever talk to them? Do you give them a word? Do you tell them when they're little, don't stick a knife in the electric outlet? Do you tell them when you come to a street, stop and wait for mommy or daddy? Do you tell them when they go to a swimming pool, don't jump in the deep end? Do you tell them when they come in, when you take them into the kitchen, don't touch the hot stove, don't touch an iron? Do we tell our children things like that? Why do we tell them things like that? Because we love them and we don't want them to be hurt. And then there's another set of things that we do for children. Not only do we warn them against danger, we speak words that are of encouragement. We say, that was really nice, Johnny, that you forgave Susan. It's good to forgive. That's nice that you did this. That's nice that you did that. You know, you have a lot of potential. You know, you've got a great voice. I love to hear you sing. Boy, you're fast. That's neat. You know, I like the way you can be so still and patient when everybody else is so upset. Speaking life, life. We speak warning to our children, we speak life to our children. Okay, in God's word, he does the same thing. He warns us about things, and then he gives us life. And all James is saying is, why? Why would you not want to hear the word of God, read the word of God, and do exactly what it says. Why would you want to be unfaithful to your spouse? Why would you want to tell a lie? Have you ever told a lie? Then you got to tell another lie. And then you got to tell another lie. And then you got to tell another lie. Why would you not guard your heart and mind and allow yourself to lust after things of this world. Why would you do that? 
It just makes you unhappy with what you don't have, and then you want more, and you want more, and you want more. Why would you do that? Why would you store up treasures on earth where moss and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal? Why would you do that? Do you want to be unhappy? Do you want to be mixed up? Do you want to be confused? Do you want to be a walking problem to yourself and to everybody else? That's what James is saying. Why would you do that? God's word he promises and never goes out and returns void. It always accomplishes that which is purposed to and prospers whereinto it's been to be sent. His word is, a, is, a, is a, a light into our path. His word brings life to us. It protects us. It tells us things that we shouldn't do. Not because he's trying to take our fun away, but he knows those things hurt us and they hurt other people. And then his word speaks life to us. It speaks encouragement. I will never forsake you. I will always be with you. Come to me, all you who are tired and worn out, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly of spirit, and you shall find rest to your souls. The Word of God is full of all kind of encouragement. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for the sake of his name. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For he's with me, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. You know, one of the greatest things that a Jewish father could do for his son was to have a feast, a banquet, and invite all his enemies to it. Because... The boy didn't know those were his enemies. And then one at a time, his father kind of takes the mask off and shows his son, hey, this is not really your friend. This is your enemy. The greatest thing we can have is father prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies so we can know who and what our enemies are. The greatest danger is being oblivious, not knowing who and what our enemies are. If we mentioned before, the greatest danger in this world is not being sick. The greatest danger in this world is being sick and not knowing it. And the Word of God, if you read it, if I read it, truth is implanted in our minds. We, we, we can see error. You know, the way the, the FBI teaches people to recognize counterfeit currency? You know, you would probably say, well, you look at all the different counterfeit currency in the world, or all the, the fake $100 bills, and then you can spot you learn about the fake $100 bills. No, that's not the way they do it. The way they teach people to discover currency that's not true, counterfeit currency, is they study for eight hours a day a $100 bill. And they study it and they study it and they look at all angles in both ways. And after that $100 bill is implanted in their mind, a true $100 bill, you put a fake in front of them, they'll catch it just like that. And that's what the Word of God does for us. If we take it in, if we soak our minds, if we let it soak into our heart and grow up inside of us, we see error, we become very discerning, we see truth. And also, the Word of God also does something in our heart. It breaks our heart. And when we see people acting out, we don't tend to judge them because we know ourselves that it only by the grace of God 
that we're not on our way to hell today. You know, I was running there as fast as I could get there, and when I was 20 years old, he stuck his foot out and tripped me. <laughs> tripped me. I wasn't, I wasn't running into his arms. I was running away from him as fast as I could, and he tripped me. But this process of understanding, understanding the gospel, understanding that it's grace, we are saved through faith, and that faith didn't even come from ourselves. It's a gift of God lest any man should boast. So you look at the people in the world and their problems, you don't judge them. We can judge the sin, but we don't judge the sinners. And unbelievers, as far as believers, the same thing. We judge the sin, but we don't judge another brother and sister. To judge another brother and sister is to judge part of Christ, the body of Christ. We just don't go there. Jesus says, do not judge. Judge not. Okay, he goes on to say, but if a man hears the word and does it, if he looks into this perfect law, the law of liberty, which is the word, the word is to set us free, that this man will be blessed in his deeds. If we live by the word, if we abide in the word, if we let the word come in and change us, we will be blessed in our doings. Jesus says, he talks about the Word of God. He says it's like a man. who builds his house upon a rock. The rains come down, the floods come, the winds blow. It doesn't move because it's founded upon a rock. But he, he hears his sayings, his word, and does not do them. It's like a foolish man who builds his house upon the sands. And the winds come and the rains blow and beat upon the house and it falls and great is the fall of it. Jesus tells us very clearly, my word, and Jesus himself is the living word, Build your house, build your life upon a rock. Obey it. Obey the Word. We don't obey the Word so we can be saved. The reason we're saved is because we believed in the person of Christ and His sacrifice. That saves us. But to believe the Word and do the Word and act on the Word, what it does is it releases the very power of God into the universe. Obedience. Obedience, if, if, if Father puts anything on your heart, anything on my heart, if he tells you something in Scripture, it requires an action. We can either act or not act. We can be like the man who hears and doesn't do anything, or we hear and act. But if you act, it's like a valve. It, it just opens a spigot which allows Father's will to flow into the universe. And each of us are mobile temples of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to flow His Spirit through each of us into this city, in our families, in our work, throughout the world. But the only way His Spirit will flow through us is if you and I live a life of obedience, obeying His Word. Are your kids happier at home when they're obeying? Any of you kids that disobey, was it a fun experience? It wasn't any fun, was it? Especially if mommy and daddy get mad. Well... The experience of disobedience does nothing. We talked about, we talk oftentimes about the, the branch and the vine, the vine and I'm the, I am the vine, you're the branch. 
And each of us is a branch in which God wants to flow his life. If we disobey, it causes that branch to just restrict. And even though we're still connected to the vine, we can't lose that connection. We can't lose our relationship to Father. We can't lose our salvation. But we can lose the purpose for what we were created and grafted into the vine for, to be a branch through which he flows his life and flows his fruit. But the moment you and I obey, it causes our little branch to dilate. And then the life of the Father flows through us. And that's what the world needs, brothers and sisters. It doesn't need me figuring out what we're going to do in this situation. It needs me abiding in Him, abiding in His Word, obeying His Word, and His Word in His life flowing through me, flowing through you. So, recall, he not being a forgetful hearer, but of the doer of the word, this man will be blessed in his deeds. Then he goes on to say, if any man thinks himself religious and does not bridle, does not guard, does not control his tongue, this man's religion is in vain. It's worthless. If any man thinks himself to be religious and does not control his tongue, his religion is worthless. And he actually says, and he doesn't control his tongue, deceiving himself, this man's religion is in vain. This is the third time the word deception is used. He who does not bridle control his tongue deceives himself. Okay, what's the deception? Well, this man thought he was religious. I go to church on Sunday. I don't run around to my wife. I don't beat my children. I give 10% of my income to the church. I cuss like a sailor. Oh, I don't beat my wife physically, but you know, I don't say a lot of nice things to her. And I don't beat my kids physically, but I speak a lot of death over them. But because I do all these good things, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know what happens when you open your mouth and I open my mouth? It's like opening a window into our hearts. You open your mouth, you show your heart to the world. So it's not really a problem of the mouth that James is talking about. It's a problem of the heart. If our hearts are in a good place, if our hearts are broken and yielded to Christ... We're safe to open our mouth because what comes out? Life. But if we're just doing Christianity on the outside and not reading the Word of God, not wanting to be intimate with Him, not wanting to hear from Him, not wanting to obey Him, when, you open our, when we open our mouth, what people see is our flesh. That's the nature of Adam in us that was put to death this day you and I became Christians. And you know what happens when something is dead? It just continues to get worse and worse and worse. You know, I can kill a cat in the corner today. It's okay. I come back tomorrow. It's okay. I come back the third day. I can smell the cat. I come back the fourth day. I can hardly come into this room. That which becomes rotten is old, it just becomes more rotten. So we open our mouths... If we're not in the Spirit, if we're not abiding in Christ, people just get to hear 
our flesh, this wretched, broken old man manifest in us. And it, brothers and sisters, is not a good thing. I've shared with you before, a couple years ago, someone asked me the question, Rick, what was the greatest motivation for you to want to abide in Christ? And I thought, because nobody ever, had ever asked me that question before. In my conclusion, what the only thing I could think of was, and it's the truth, you know what, I love my wife so much, I didn't want her living with my flesh. And I love my children so much, I didn't want them living with my flesh. Brothers and sisters, we are not our flesh. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Our new man is created in righteousness, which is the sum of all that's good, and holiness, which is the absence of all that's evil. We got the new 5.0 download. We have the perfect operating system. <laughs> but this perfect operating system doesn't run, doesn't work. It doesn't have power to not do it, the bad it doesn't want to do, and it doesn't have power to do the good it wants to do in and of itself. It only works, it only operates when we are abiding in His Word, and we are obeying. To obey is to abide. To abide is to obey. His spoken Word, the Word that the Holy Spirit gives us. You hear that voice from time to time? Don't do that. Go up and say hi to that person. I met a person this morning, and I just smiled and walked away. Mr. Spirit said, you know, you need to go back. So I went back to that gentleman and said, you know, I have never met you. And uh, it was a very special meeting. It's the man who has been nice enough to let us be in this building for the last six years. A lot of people have dealt with him, but I never met him. And I had a chance to tell him, hey, this is the neatest, we got the neatest venue of any church in Beijing. Thank you. Thank you for letting us be here. A little prompting of the Holy Spirit, and I obeyed that prompting. And it's life-giving. All day long, if we listen, the Spirit will be, temp will be prompting us to do things or not do things. Don't check your email right now. Pray. Well, you can just blow through that and check the email. Say, okay, I'll check my email, then I'll pray. He who hears the word of God and does not do it deceives himself. And just remember this, as much as you don't want your children to be hurt, as much as you want your children to be encouraged, God doesn't want us to be hurt. God wants us to be encouraged. He's not speaking to us because he doesn't love us. Can you imagine that the creator of the universe has actually given us a book that we can read his words do you realize that the, imagine that the creator of the universe has actually put his spirit in your life, in your heart, and he wants you to listen to that voice? But how do we hear that voice? The Father's voice is very, very soft. So you probably can't hear the cricket in that left corner of the room right now. The reason you can't hear the cricket is because the chairs are squeaking and because I'm talking, because his fan's blowing. But you know, we turn off the fan... I quit talking, chair quit, quit squeaking. You may hear the cricket in the corner. Well, that's the way Father's voice is. He's always talking. 
But there's a lot of noises in our lives, and those noises come from worry and anxiety. And where does worry and anxiety come from? Well, it becomes because we're not living, we're not obeying, we're not looking at the owner's manual, we're not listening to the Father all the time, we're trusting ourselves, we're trusting other resources other than Him. And it's scary. You know what, brothers and sisters, if you don't trust God with all your heart, you have every reason in the world to be absolutely worried. (laughs) I have every reason in the world to be absolutely worried. To trust Him with all that we know of ourselves is the absolute most conservative thing you and I can ever do. Because it's 100% success 100% of the time. He never fails us. Ever, ever, ever. Even if it's like in that movie, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever, uh, Indiana Jones is walking down there and it's, there's, it's just, the instructions say, take another step and there's just nothing but air. He obeys the instruction, takes a step, and as soon as he does, a bridge comes out. And that's the way Father is. I mean, he takes us places. <laughs> and scary, scary, scary. But just consider, consider the love. And trusting ourselves for even a moment is the riskiest thing we can ever do because it is 100% failure 100% of the time in the long run, in the long run. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but you get off that trajectory, they're here, but they just goes like this, very diverse. If you have a problem with your tongue, ask the Father to show you where the problem is with your heart. And the cure for the heart is in his word. Let him love you. Let him care for you. Let him show you how loved you are. Let him say to you, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Let him say, I love you. You can't do anything to make me love you less. You can't do anything to make me love you more. I love you because I choose to love you. When we were in sin, when we hated him, when we were running to hell as fast as we could get there, Christ died for us. He died for you. And because he died for you and he died for me, he only asked one thing, would you give me your right to yourself? Would you let me, Jesus asked, would you let me now live my life through you? I purchased you. Would you let my life live through you? Let me live through you? Oh, you can still keep your personality. You know, I didn't want to become a Christian when I was a little boy because I thought, you know, if, you, if you're a Christian, then you go to heaven, you all have to wear one of these angel robes. And I like my cowboy suit, and I didn't want to be a Christian because I couldn't wear my cowboy suit in heaven. Thinking that if you become a Christian and you, become, you go to heaven, you know, that everybody is like the same thing. No, each one of us is unique. Each one has a unique personality. You've got something in you. You've got a piece of Christ in you that doesn't exist in any other person in the world. Before today or after today, there's something unique about each of us. We are his body. But he would like to use his body. He doesn't want part of his body paralyzed or asleep or numb. Every one of us, he wants to be using. And then he'll play us like a symphony. And in this church, the potential is, is unbelievable. But we don't have to sit around and think about what am I going to do. We need to think about, sit around and think about what does God want me to become. He wants me to become the man. He wants me to become the woman, the, the young person 
that he saved me to be. And how do I do that? Do I go do a bunch of... No, Jesus says you don't have to do anything. Just relax. Become aggressively passive. Let me love you. Let me care for you. Let me instruct you. Let me tell you what will harm you. Let me tell you what will bless you. Just abide there. Abide in my word. And let me live my life through you. And that's the promise of the Holy Spirit. And these, we will prosper in all that we do. We will be like trees planted by rivers of water. Those roots will go down deeply. And his life will flow through us. Let me close this in prayer here. Father, thank you for... Uh, we're not closing the service, just this. Father, we thank you for, uh, for your word. Um, we don't want to be deceived. Um, we don't want to forget that the only good and perfect gifts come from you. And you are the only good and perfect gift. And our hearts were made to receive this gift every day. Um, we don't want to be deceived thinking that... Um, we can hear your word and, and not do it uh, and that we'll be okay. We don't want to be deceived that way. We want to understand we will not be okay unless we hear your word and act upon it. And we don't want to be deceived that we are religiously okay just because we do a bunch of things that Christians do. Go to church. Even read the Bible. Tithe. We're not okay unless you've given us, we've given you our hearts. And we really want to do that. So Holy Spirit, pray that you give us the grace to yield ourselves to you, to yield to you, Holy Spirit, to yield to your word, Father, to yield to the love of Jesus and accept with meekness that implanted word that's able to save our souls. We make this prayer in the name of Christ. Amen.